Yo, this is Chaos with the Blacklisted Podcast. And if you like, you can follow us on Facebook at Blacklisted Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Blacklisted Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Blacklisted Pod. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can send an email to blacklistedpodcast at gmail.com. And if you would be so kind to rate and review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you steal your free podcast. Fade to Black. I am the only man that can cure the world by speaking words. Black art, the Almighty. Blacker than a panther, blacker than Atlanta. Open like the starry dark background of Saturn. Mighty like the builders of the pyramids in Africa. Stronger than the Afro, larger than Alabama. Deeper than your soul, blacker than a black Santa. Wild as Larry Davis is when he can give a damn. Or a fuck motion like a slave ship, slicker than a pimping hoe, getting dope, slicker than a macro. Super fly, flyer than a super fly anthem. Black to Chaos Midnight Syndicate for the Blacklist of Podcasts. We're sitting here at our local diner after spending the last 
three hours watching the new movie, The Batman. This will be, try to be as non-spoilery as possible. And uh, I just wanted to do broad strokes, you know, like, and we'll take it from there. Like, first of all, we're gonna see, first ask Chaos, uh, how do you like the movie? Because I see this is my second viewing, so how did you like it? I like it, it was, uh, it was intense. I would probably go along with you and say it was my favorite Batman movie. Oh my God. It's, it was well done, well done. Like the story, first of all, we're going to talk about uh, Gotham City. This was a Gotham City that looked like it was needed help. That uh, it, looked, it was realistic, but not like you didn't look at it and went, oh, it's Chicago. Because that's what we got the last three Nolan movies. We got Chicago. And it is what it is. That's what, that's what they decided to use. And, uh, but again, totally different take. You didn't know where Gotham was. You just knew it was a really fucked up place to grow up. And it looked depressing. It had a very good film noir style to it. Like in the old, uh, Mike Hammer movies and shit like that. Yeah. Where, where Batman is actually narrating the story. And, uh, and, and, one thing- and he ends... Into with a narration as well. And one thing I will thank: no dead wings in the beginning. No, de- yeah, we get, we didn't have to get no dead parents in this story, but we did in this version. They were talked about. They were but talked it wasn't about. Shown them actually doing pretty much like almost every right. Batman that movie. And what I did like was like they kind of gave you hints of why they were murdered. But it was still like he said, she said, he said, you know, telephone, tell a friend, tell a wrestler type of story where the end of the person who supposedly killed the Waynes kept changing. But it's kind of like leaning on that one character who, who ended up doing it. Uh, you also don't get a training montage in this movie because um, in this version... And I hate to use the word grounded, but that's what they call it. It's well, more grounded that... This was, yes, more grounded than the movies that say, oh, I want them grounded in reality, and then, and then totally, turn them in into a comic book right. movie by the second... It's by the second movie. And in this one, like, you're learning that without getting into any detail, you learn Alfred trained Bruce how to fight to protect himself. And almost like... Uh, got the fish and chips. Thank you. Hello, you're welcome. Could I have the red sauce, please? Yeah. And then you had the buffalo wrap. Do you want blue cheese? No, it was shipping uh, of Philly cheesecake. All right, all right. One second. I grabbed the wrong one. All right. So, yeah, we're still at the diner, so (laughs) it is what it is. Yeah. But, uh... You learn, you learn Alfred trained him. You learn Alfred figured he would punch his way out of this depression and the funk that he's in that he figures if he let him just do his thing, sooner or later he's going to get tired and go back to trying to be a Bruce Wayne. And he can't. And the fact that Alfred kept a secret of maybe his parents died in a, in a, in a way that Bruce basically hero worshipped his parents and maybe he shouldn't have without giving anything away 
Yeah, more or less trying to trying to protect him, but protect it, Bruce. Yeah, but at the same time, by not telling him the truth, the truth yeah, you don't know. Because what if he told him the truth and he went and looked for the person who supposedly killed him? Give me he just could, a second. Right? I got all excited and grabbed the wrong wrap. I'll be right back. He could have. He could have just got murdered before he even got started. Yeah. You know. I so. like I say, I really have no problems with this movie, but some funny some things that. Would, like, uh, to me, it seemed like nobody had spatial awareness. Nobody. I said because all of a sudden, I was like, I'm not for nothing, but if somebody was sitting behind us, I would realize they were behind us. Nobody had it. Nobody. But yet, you just walking past. I don't care if he is in dark clothing. Sometimes Batman <laughs> didn't even have it. And then, uh, not, again, not for nothing. You get in your car. I know somebody. I have a habit of looking in the back of my car, too. Yeah, out of a habit, I just get in the car looking at the back. I mean, I know it's got to be a movie, but... Right. But, again, starting with Gotham City, the city looked lived in. It looked real. It didn't look... It was, it was a, a really good... I wouldn't even say a mix of Burton. Burton had his look. Schumacher had his neon acid look. And no one had Chicago, and that's and you know I guess those looks work for their versions. But again, that word we're talking about of grounded, and you can tell where he, where Matt Reeves try to keep this as grounded as humanly possible, and. Uh, Gotham looked like a place that you get it would eat you alive. It looked dangerous. It looked haunting and it looked like those people weren't just living there, they were surviving there. I like the fact that during her narration, Batman is telling you the vi the viewer that that signal isn't just a call for him. It is a warning for everybody else. Because they're showing criminals doing criminal things. And Batman is saying he can't be in one, only one place at a time. But the fact of the matter is, when you see these criminals doing that shit, there's always... Sorry about that, I got a little ahead of myself. There you go, enjoy. There's always a shadow. And the bad guys always peek into that shadow because they don't know when he's popping up. And I like that. And that, that fear helps with his image. Yeah, pretty much. I, he even said, he's like, oh, crime's everywhere. He said, but I can't be everywhere. He's like, but that's more than just a signal. It's a warning. You don't know where I'm going to be. So, yeah, I mean, they see that symbol, and they know he out. And now you're like, oh, shit. This Batman is not a ninja. Because when he shows up, you know he's coming. Yeah. He's got the heaviest boots on. And when he shows in there, he in his... He just goes there. He beats the shit out of people. He makes you wish you'd just kill me. Just kill me. It's more or less, uh, if you thought in that one scene, Affleck's Batman was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was. Affleck's Batman was shooting people. <laughs> this guy didn't pull a gun on nobody. He makes you wish he put you shot. You were shot, but well, you're gonna wake up in the hospital. It does shoot you with projectiles, but it's not a gun. It's more like sometimes it's with the 
like the batter, not batterings, it's like the grappling hook or something. Mm-hmm. Also like the, um, because I remember seeing the beginning of it, the suit a while ago, like how the bat in his suit is actually functional. A knife. So he takes it out, use it as like a knife. Before this movie came out, everybody in their mom was saying that that bat on his chest was a gun. And that it was the gun made by the, the gun that killed Bruce's parents. And it's not. It's just all it is is a glorified knife. He doesn't throw it. No. And I like the fact that he keeps, he keeps like, uh, they look like arrows, for lack of a better term, on these, on his gauntlets. And when he presses a button, they spin around under his wrist and he shoots them out with, with a line on it. So... His, his, instead of the grapple gun, he had this grappling mechanism that shot these flechettes as well as the, the lines that could pull him up. Yeah, and the suit, all, the suit was the first thing I was like, oh, if I'm not going to buy into the suit, I'm not going to like the movie. And, I, and for all the pictures I've seen of it static, wasn't a fan. I wasn't a fan. But seeing it in motion and seeing why it looks the way it looks, because it looks like it's handmade. You see stitches on the on the mask. You can see it's yeah, some parts see. are different parts from something else. Hell, he can pull a fucking cable on this thing and make a goddamn squirrel suit out of it, which is a, yeah, it's, kinda, it's, it's like realistic. The, it's flying, it's yeah. like one of those inflatable uh, flying suits. And it's and it's in the real world, you know. It ain't so far. We don't have memory cloth, and I dug that idea, but. Again, like you said, Nolan said he was going to keep it realistic. Then we had memory go off, and we were like, all right, let's throw that out of the window. Because <laughs> I got a memory, and it's bad, but I don't remember having seen any memory cloth in real life. Hmm. First thing I got is memory foam, and even that stuff wears after mm-hmm. a while. Special effects, really good practical effects. You look at this movie, and when you see it, you got to say to yourself, they filmed this thing during a pandemic, and they got just quality film out of it. So, special effects was good, Very pra- a lot of good practical effects. Uh, again, Batman's weapons, his fighting, we finally have a Batman besides Affleck in that one scene. Who could actually physically get down? Because he was getting down, Jack. He was beating the shit out of people. And uh, I like the fact that the cops, some cops were cool with him. A lot of cops didn't trust him. And we find out for obvious reasons why. <laughs> uh, the scene with uh, the interrogation room was, I thought, just as good, if not better. Than everything? Good. Can I get you all anything? I'm good, thank you. I think the interrogation room scene in this is just as good, if not better, than the Joker scene in Nolan's. Because it's one thing to have Batman against the Joker, but this was Batman against a room full of cops. Yeah. Now I got your assault little officer. You got me <laughs> And little things. He tapes his mask off, and what do you see? Eye makeup. Eye makeup's still on. That shit magically disappeared since since Burton's movies. 
so I like the fact that Bruce Wayne was born and raised in Wayne Tower, not Wayne Manor. And you can see where Wayne Tower is kind of going to shit because Bruce ain't paying attention and he don't care. So when you get into this movie, you'll find that he hasn't yet perfected the Bruce Wayne persona, the public Bruce Wayne persona. He doesn't know how to do that yet because he's only been doing Batman, this, this Batman thing for two years. And the only person he trusts is, is, is Captain Gordon. But um, he has yet to master the, the, the identity of billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne. Because he's still in his, his uh, grunge state. And ironically enough, using Nirvana's music in this was perfect. I thought that was good. And actually just rushing up real quick. Matt Reeves sort of based the Bruce Wayne character off of Kurt Cobain. I can see that. Wild hair. Did you notice the Batman? His his theme music sound more like Empire Strikes Back. They take a tone. They take a tone out of it. Well, it starts off like Empire Strikes Back. You think Darth Vader's coming out of the hallway, but it's still somebody in a black metal suit beating shit out of you. So yeah, there's that. And which is funny you mention that in one of the scenes when it was dark every once in a while you'll see a flash of light and him sitting there beating people almost reminded me of that one scene of Vader in the hallway in the hallway and they stole that from that they even said it oh so that's why it reminded mm-hmm. me of it the same guy who, who did the director of photography of uh, Rogue One is the director of photography of the Batman uh, Gotham is always wet and rainy when the sun is out Bruce is so used for the last two years being out at night that the sunlight hurts him he, he always puts sunglasses on yeah and I like that little details like that details that Alfred even hints that he was a member of MI6 and that he wasn't a faithful butler he was a fucking bodyguard who yeah. fucked up and did not sh- protect the Waynes. At for all we know, that's how he got injured. Because he walks around with a cane. Yeah. But this ain't about that story. So they didn't have to dwell into that, which I thought was good. What I did like is they talked about the renewal program. That Thomas Wayne put a billion dollars into this bank account, win or lose, because he was running for mayor. And when he died... Everybody had their fingers into this bank account. Mostly the criminal element, which was everybody. (laughs) And cops. And lawyers. And DAs. The only only people that you could trust in this movie was Alfred, Gordon, Selena, and maybe a hooker, and she died. Like, the new mayor, she was like, oh, I'm not afraid of anything. Boom, caught a bullet. You afraid now, bitch? <laughs> I also like where, being like this is sort of like a year one-ish, year two-ish, mm-hmm. Batman, he doesn't have 
Hold up, quote unquote fancy gadget. When you see him, at least in the beginning, an engine, it looks like he's working he's on it. He's working on it, yeah. For uh, the upcoming Batmobile. And that car, when it starts up, it was it was a really good introduction to seeing it. It was a fucking uh, 1970, I don't know what year, I want to say 78, 76. I know it was a Barracuda. With a giant jet engine on the back. <laughs> he didn't have no emblems on it. He didn't scream. This was a Batman car and just looked like a badass muscle car. It was recognizable. It looked like something you would see in the real world. So, for a three-hour movie, the pacing was done very well. He was Batman more than often than not. We seen more of him in costume. Yeah, you saw him well, more than you seen Bruce Wayne. You see him more as Batman as Bruce Wayne, which a fact of yeah. They say no. No, he, no. he was more Batman in this one movie than he was in all three Nolan movies. Because in the third Nolan movie, he didn't show up. No, we're good. He didn't show up until 35 minutes after the movie started. Thirty, And then after that, he showed up again, then got crippled, and didn't show up for the next 25 minutes of the end of the movie. So, yeah. He fixed that. Reed fixed that. That was the one funny thing I, <clears throat> I was reading about when uh, Pattinson was getting his audio his screen test and all the other stuff, he was in the middle of filming Tenet, which was done by Nolan. He yeah. had to keep it secret from Nolan, who, of course... Yeah, wouldn't have hired him. And he's always known for keeping secrets and stuff, so he had to basically keep the secret from... From the secret guy. Yeah. But also the fact that he was doing a Batman movie <laughs> and had people secret from Nolan. And... It was kind of cool that the girl that couldn't get a role in the Batman movies end up being Catwoman in this one. So we're going to segue from Gotham to the actors. Pattinson. What was his first name again? Robert. Robert Pattinson. Again, not my first choice. I would have never thought of that ever in a million years. But man, did he make a believer out of me. He was the right height. He had a good jawline. He looked crazy with the suit off. And looked crazier with the suit on. So, if that make any sense. Because remember, we talked about a few years ago. Our favorite Batman. And we whittled it down to Michael Keaton because he looks crazy. Like, something ain't right about him. So, yeah. out of that suit, that's the guy you would really want to keep your eye on, is that he just, little left to center, you know? This guy, off the page. Crazy. Because nobody's seen, apparently nobody's seen him in two years, and he showed up at a funeral. And, even then, he kept his head down, he didn't conversate with many people and uh, his his if he's doing a lot of his fighting he, he won me over with that too the fighting was on point 
his voice wasn't exaggerated, growly. He just sounded like a regular guy. He's, a, you know, he, he just brought it down an octave, and that was it. Then again, he kept it down an octave through the whole movie. And I guess when he, if they do a sequel, his Bruce Wayne voice would be up a little bit, like Kevin Conroy did it in part two. Once he starts to get more used to the Batman, Batman Bruce Wayne persona. Yeah, that he needs to use to get information. Yeah. And, uh, but, um, just like everybody, in the beginning, I heard who it was, and the only thing I ever knew him from was those movies. And I started, and I started to say, nah, but then I, I think about what I always say, I say, they said the same thing about Mr. Mr. Mom, Mom being Batman. And then when when Clooney got the role, everybody was cool with it, and it turned out to be the worst one. Not because of him. It just turned out to be the worst one. Yeah. <laughs> and then when Heath Ledger was getting the oh, they they getting broke back them being yeah. joke. I'm like, now so, all of a sudden. Yeah, so I... So that, you, yeah, you got to put that in a... And so, compartmentalize it. Well, a lot of casting... I at least say, all right, I'll give it a chance. Well, I'm glad you did because this 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 was a movie not worth missing. And Pattinson carried his he he did his share of the heavy lifting. Now we go from Pattinson to Zoe Kravitz, who's playing Catwoman, Selena Kyle. This is the same woman that tried out to be Catwoman in Nolan's version. And then she didn't even get the chance to read for it because, quote unquote, they didn't want an urban Catwoman. They didn't want an urban Catwoman. Read between the lines. Urban in an urban setting. setting. Read between the lines. That's all I'm saying. Can I take this from you? Yes. Anything else while I'm up? And uh, read. uh, I'm glad she read for this, and I'm glad she got it because she looked. just like the comic book, because in the comic book, Catwoman wears short black hair, and just every scene, and it was more to her origin story too, where she was always helping the strays in the street, and the strays were usually cats or wayward girls going into prostitution and stuff, and she would always protect them, and I like the way they kind of hinted that she did some shit like that, but she was really just... Casing the place to steal money and information. She could fight and take care of herself. She had claws, which was basically her fingernails. Her fingernails, yeah. I like the fact that her mat at first, again, costume didn't sell me. Once I seen it in action and seen why she wore it or what she wore, it was something she found, something she put together. She didn't go into some. She didn't go to the the Tobey Maguire school of comic book costume making where he just magically had the best costume in the world and they never told you how he built it so this one was like something she had a, a cat suit literally and a motorcycle and a ski mask that she just wore in a certain type of way to make it look like she had ears on the side of it yeah. and I think that was done really well she had the acting chops to back it off because you, you know you, I believed everything she was doing she, and she she dropped that gorgeous. I was about to bring that up. Um, they always told it. Catwoman and Selena Kyle. Even if she's smart, she she tries to use her 
sexual wild, and it works, and it works, and looking like her, it works. I would sit there and want to talk to her too, and tell her everything I know. And the thing I liked about it was uh, we talk about Pattinson's suit, where it's bulletproof, and again. It wouldn't be a long movie if you aimed at his face, but they always aimed at his chest, and that yeah. was smart. So, well, yeah, it's a big open space right where his chin is. And the cinematography of him fighting, like you said, in the darkness and sparks and the light of the guns are all you've seen, he looked fucking badass. And when he punched you, he didn't just punch you and you fell down. If you were lucky enough to fall down, he's coming down with you, and he's going to keep on hitting you till you don't get up. Yeah. He was brutal. He had a taser in one hand, like his glove had a taser in it. The suit was obviously like proof against electricity. Bulletproof. Uh, oh, and if he took an ass kicking and he couldn't fight no more, that's okay. He got some. He got adrenaline needles that yeah, he stabs yeah. into himself. Yeah, emergency stabs and adrenaline. And then, then he goes ape shit crazy on he you. Got then. An adrenaline rush, adrenaline rush. I, and I, I like it that it's like a spot in his arm that's kind of like got a little portal there that he can just jam the damn needle into. Yeah. Uh, like he's used to it now. Find a quicker way. To right. Get, instead of trying to, I mean, because where else is it going right. to go? Because everything else is armored up. For that type his of neck stuff, they, is armored up. They stab it like try to get into the right, heart. heart. He's stuck up with armor. Right. And I like uh, I like the contact lenses, almost like video recording contact lenses. That's neat. And he and he can have someone else wear it. And he can watch it on his monitors and talk through an earpiece so I thought that was really slick but also at the same time it looked like he had to tune it in almost sort of like sonar right 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 I caught that so back to Selena you seen her using the, uh, the whip her fighting skills were really on part I was reading that the first thing they, they filmed was the Batman Catwoman fight that was the first time they met they had to film that fight they trained for two months to do that fight so and it's really done really well and uh, again well done she was I was so proud to see her out there I, I don't think I was prouder than her dad's because her dad's you know Lenny Kravitz and Aquaman yeah. they're going to the like the uh, the, uh, the the Batman premiere and, and they're like so how do you are you excited to see the Batman movie they said no we're here to see the Catwoman movie and I always thought that was funny that they, they didn't even mention Batman and it's it's just as good as a Catwoman movie than it makes as a Batman movie it's, it's done really well the, my sad part is I think it's going to do so well that Warner Brothers is going to step in and go alright we want to do this this and this now and totally take it away from yep. Matt Reeves creative vision because that's how it happened that's how it is they didn't think this movie they thought it was going to make some, a couple shekels no doubt the IP is very popular even the shitty Batman and Robin made a profit it just wasn't a good movie but this movie is done so well and so dirty and grimy yeah and then uh, again she was uh, Zoe Kravitz is a credit to this movie and I think my, again I don't care my favorite cat woman fuck Michelle Pfeiffer she, she had her day she was the cat woman for that world that yeah. wacky weird world that for some reason cats magically brought her back to life and you just have to accept that and that ain't how it went in the comics it never went that way in the comics 
But then again, this movie, that movie was made by a person who never read Batman comics. So, that, this movie gave uh, Batman a dark gray interior with a black mask, black gloves, black boots, and black cape. Now, uh, before we move on, I, the one thing I one thing I did want to do real quick was um, I like how he was more of a detective. It was a detective story, in no this doubt. Movie than a lot of recent ones where it was just like I show up. I know that. Let's go. Next fight. Next scene. You know, and that's how it all went. And I was going to get, I was going to get to the detective part since you brought it up. Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. Another another bit of uh, casting that a certain group of people didn't like. They didn't like Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. But Jeffrey Wright, he was a really good Commissioner Gordon. Actually, at the time, wasn't it Captain? Well, I'm sorry, at the time, Captain Gordon. No, 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 because I know this is early in, because when they walked in and said Commissioner, but then they started talking to the other guy, I'm like, oh, that's right. It's early to where he's not. I like the fact that they know each other. There's some trust with with the two, even though Batman won't tell them who he is. They kind of banter, but not in the part where it's, you know, gag. No, we're good. And that was like a gag of 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 comical nonsense to the whole thing. This dude is trying to either throw us out or feed us to death. He's been back here three times. But his voice had good resonance. He commanded every scene he was in. I like whenever he was in a scene, whenever Gordon was in a scene, it almost looked like the director told Pattinson's Batman to back off, to give him the, the scene. Back off, you go in the background now. You know, it's like he would always fiddle fuck around with something. Then, he, then, then Gordon have to go to him. But it's a great who done it. And the thing is, we know who's doing it, we just don't know why. Yeah. And then when you, it's such a good detective movie, and they keep saying they're the world's greatest detectives, they were wrong the whole time. <laughs> they never got it right. It got to the point where the Riddler had to start giving, he gave himself up. So, when you see this movie, for all the detective work that the Batman and Captain Gordon does, it's all for naught, because they get they get some things right. They, they pick up some some uh, crumbs, but for the most part, the Riddler had to tell him, all right, this is what, this is what we got to do. And now for the Penguin... Which in our midst. If incredible. You wouldn't even know who it is. Colin Fowle, also known as Bullseye from the Marvel Daredevil movie. Uh, you would never mm-hmm. you would never know it's him unless you, you know someone told you. Not makeup. His voice. He was channeling his inner De Niro. That's who I thought it was when I first seen it. Yeah. De Niro in this? Is he his, his cadence and his voice? He talks like one of the 1940s, 1950s mobsters. 
really good actor in this movie. Colin Farrell's back. If he was ever going somewhere, this movie's going to put him on the map. Because they set it up for him to be the next big bad. Uh, one guy I didn't know who was in this movie John Totoro. Yeah. From Transformers and Do the Right Thing and The Big Lebowski. His big bad is fucking cold blooded. He's Carmine Falcon. Cold blooded. And I like the way they changed it to Falcone, because sometimes in the comics and in the cartoons they call him Falcone. But it would be kind of weird because you had another guy with an e, Italian name. Yeah. The E at the end of it. Uh, but, yeah, he was brutal. And when you get the big reveal in that movie between with Car- Carmine Falcone and another character, it adds some weight to it. You know, he was not just a... He was a piece of shit, but... Then when they, add, when they give you that layer, that other layer of, of the weight of that character... And you find out somebody else is involved in this movie. Wow. It's just like a kick in the stomach. Uh, Andy Serkis played Alfred. The former MI6 agent who was the former bodyguards for the Waynes. Didn't do a great job. But he also was Ulysses Claw in Black Panther. And Age of Ultron. His role wasn't that big, but it didn't need to be. It's not the Alfred movie. He, he did his he did his job and he and he did a really good job, just like uh, I didn't realize that one guy the, uh, the DA was Peter Skarsgård. Another Skarsgård. God damn it! It's like how what are they growing these things in the goddamn woods somewhere? They're like a mold. Every time you turn around, there's another Skarsgård or a goddamn Hensworth. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to. I guess, his face looks familiar. Who's that? But I'm trying to. I think what else I've seen him in. The guy who played the Riddler, Paul Dano. Paul Dano. He has that, he has a face that you know you've seen it somewhere before, and I can't remember anything he was in either. But the Riddler was really, you know what I made him like, uh, Zodiac Killer. Yeah. The real life Zodiac Killer. So he was He was scary. You know, because nothing scared, again, nothing scared in the bad guy who thinks he's doing the right thing. And in this movie, he, he, he believes he believes he's working with Batman that their partner's on this taking out all the uh, the dirt and, and, and criminal element in Gotham City he believes he's helping hell they did one scene that I'll give away but it, you know it's just cool that Riddler gives himself up he goes to Arkham he asks to see Batman him and Batman have a face-off, and Batman and Riddler keeps calling Batman. You think he's calling him Bruce Wayne? You just keep saying Bruce. And and Wayne. in reality, you're like, even Batman's kind of like, oh shit, he knows. No. And he's still trying to be in the shadows, but then he goes, "That's the only one we didn't get." And then you're like, "Whoo!" Oh, and then, <laughs> as soon as he realizes he doesn't know who he is. That's when he starts moving it and starts to get a bit more conf- uh, con- confrontational. confrontational in his question. Yeah, because at, at, at first, he, when he kept saying that name over and over and over again, I said, damn, he figured it out. 
And then when he when he finished up saying by saying, you know, he's the only one we didn't get. I was like, oh shit, that's good writing right there, because it, it led you to one to jump to one conclusion, and you're totally wrong. And then be a good conclusion to jump to because it just looks like that that was the way they were going, and yeah. they weren't. So that was cool. He was in this couple films. Uh, well, he's been in a lot, but more notable ones: uh, There Will Be Blood. Uh, he was in Cowboys and Aliens. I don't even remember him in that. And he was also in Looper. Two, yeah, he was in movies I, I didn't care for, so go figure. He just got that face, that boy next door face. That you think you've seen him in a lot of stuff. But he's been in these 43 movies. Damn. So, again, he, he did his job and he did it well. He needs to get all the all the credit in the world as being another one of the the new great villains out there. Can I take this from you? Yes. Y'all gonna begin anything else tonight? I'm good, thank you. Right. Well, four strikes he's out. And uh I I don't know if we should bring up the the cameo. The ending? No, the the cameo that's was that the ending? Yeah, it was at the end of. We're talking about when, when he's when, when Riddler starts crying. Yeah, I'm doing some like yeah. Yeah, there's a well, ca- there's a cameo in well, this. Well, put it this way, they don't even name him. I got they him just, in mind. They just say he's an unseen Arkham prisoner. Mine says Officer Stanley. <laughs> he's playing Officer. Totally wrong. It says he's playing Officer Stanley something. But uh, yeah, there's uh, there's a unknown unnamed. Asylum inmate that's comforting Paul Dano's Riddler because Paul Dan- Riddler thinks he's a failure, but the other inmates that thinks he's a. Whatever you guys are finished, thank you. Already, step in front desk. He says, uh, you know, he did a good job and waiting for a comeback. So I don't know if that comeback means that they're both going to team up. That would be cool. Literally. So we had a Skarsgård sighting in this. Uh, I don't know who Jamie Lawson is, but she played the, the woman that was running for mayor of Gotham City, and she and she filled her role. You know, she she playing the tough, the tough sister who won the election, who caught a bullet for her problems, and uh, I think that's pretty pretty much it. Like, uh, twins were actually twins. Yeah, the um, Max and Charlie Carver. Yeah, the Carver brothers. So, if you want to see, it reminded me of that movie uh, Chinatown. If you ever seen Chinatown, it's very much in that Jack Nicholson Chinatown noir type of film. It's kind of like gives you a little essence of Blade Runner without all the flying cars and shit. But uh, man. This guy went Planet of the... Put it this way. He did Planet of the Apes so well that after I seen the third... There's only three of his movies, right? Planet of the Apes, right? Matt Reeves? Uh, I think it was only three of them. because well, he was the one who was... He did the two, and he did three. I don't think he did the first one. I think he produced yeah, the first one. Yeah, yeah, but was, uh, they were so good, I wouldn't see them again because 
the allegory was too strong, and I didn't walk out that none of the movies feeling good about it. You know, cause, yeah, war. It was a good movie. I don't want to watch it again. Yeah, because it was straight up talking about the racism in America. That's all it was about. And then this one is basically where Batman started off as vengeance. They never call him Batman the whole movie until the end. And she still didn't call him Batman. She called him the Bat. Uh, he called himself vengeance, and everybody else called himself called him vengeance. But he realizes that vengeance is not the answer. That he needs to inspire hope. So, at the end, I thought it was kind of poetic that Batman's out in the light, in the broad daylight, uh, helping the survivors of Gotham and trying to inspire people. Trying to be hopeful. And it kind of ended on a hopeful, you almost thought he was going to leave with Selena, but they split on the crossroads and he went to follow his signal and she went to follow her destiny type of thing, so. Wow, three hours. So we just talked about this movie for maybe 20 minutes. But this is three hours. We gave no, very little spoilers in it. Next time we talk about this movie, hopefully we'll be doing it live. on, And it'll be on our YouTube page, the Black Vista Podcast. So look for it. Uh, like it. Subscribe to it. Uh, we're going to try to do a lot more YouTube shows like that. Besides, you know... Once in a while, we'll still do a, a movie watch, but instead of doing that all the time, we need to, we need to branch out and try different things, and I think that's that's the way to go, especially you know, with the things that's coming up now that the uh, uh, the COVID is getting a little more relaxed. Tomorrow we're gonna go to another Monster Factory show and talk live about, on the wrestling that's going on there. Uh, one of the girls who's in the main event, she got signed for WWE, Magnificent Mimi, and good luck to her. And she's going to wrestle her, I guess this is going to be her last match against her boyfriend. So, on the way there, we're talking. We're going to talk about uh, the AEW Revolution show. That was, wow, that was crazy. And then we're going to talk about the AEW Wednesday Night Dynamite show. And I guess later on tonight I'll watch uh, Rampage. It's the quickest one hour of wrestling. So, yeah, tomorrow show that we're due is going to be wrestle, wrestling-centric. And that will be on the Black Vista podcast. But uh, next time you hear us talk about the Batman, hopefully it's going to be on the YouTube show. So, again, like, subscribe. And uh, with that, we'll see. Peace out.